And from Romans chapter 12, and I'll invite you to turn with me there. I'm going to begin here with verse 3 and read down through verse 9. Hear God's word for us this morning. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then in verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. May God add his blessing to that word. Please, you can be seated. Some missionaries years ago set up a croquet game in their front yard in the Philippines. Well, their native neighbors became interested and wanted to join in in the fun that obviously was going on. So the missionaries brought them along and explained the game of croquet to them and gave each of the, the natives a, a mallet and a ball. And as the game progressed, opportunity came for one of the, the players to take advantage of, of, the, uh, of another player by knocking that person's court out of the ball. That's how the game of croquet, of course, is played. Uh, the missionary explained the procedure, but his advice only puzzled his native friend. Why would I want to knock the ball out of the court? So you will be the one to win, the missionary said. But the man just shook his head. In this society of hunting and gathering, competition was not the rule. You survived in everything by cooperating and sharing. So the game continued, but no one would follow the missionary's advice. And so when a player did successfully get through all the wickets, the game was not over for him. He went back and gave advice and help to the others. And as the final player moved toward the last wicket and the ball went through the, the, uh, the, the last wicket, the, the team shouted happily, we won, we won. And of course, I love that picture because you really just can't argue with that. And I wanted you to keep that in your mind this morning as you think about the church, because I think that's a kind of a, a good picture of who we are together. That's the kind of picture we are as the body of Christ. We're a team. We're a family. We win together. We have been recounting some of the events of the life of Peter over the last few weeks since the beginning of the year. And we saw last week, in spite of Peter's failures, Jesus enlisted him to serve by clearly defining that Peter had to make a choice. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? 
Are you willing to put my first? If so, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Serve me by serving others. I think it's interesting then that the Apostle Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 4 these words. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Peter is telling us that in the body of Christ, when Christ saves you, he also calls you to use your gifts to serve others. One of the key values at our church, you'll see it on the, the hallway as you're coming down the, uh, the long hallway outside of the FLC, is simply this. Saved people serve people. Paul would admonish a young Timothy these words. He said, don't neglect the gift that is in you. And that's what I want our challenge to be today. Listen, friend, you have a spiritual gift. Don't neglect it. Use it for God's glory. Paul, the apostle, writes here, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Now, just for a moment, I want to outline what that means. That, that word grace in the Greek is the word charis or charis. Grace is unmerited favor with God. It's just a gift. It's given to you. So God has given us, Paul says, something that's good. He's given us a gift, and that word in the Greek, again, is the word charisma. And, of course, we know that word. In English, we have our own charisma. And when I use the word charisma, I'm usually thinking about someone who has a personality that simply draws other people to them. But scripturally speaking, the truth is we all have a charisma, at least one gift, a God-given ability to perform certain functions with a relative ease, and it helps build up the church. But secondly, Spiritual gifts are not given to individuals for the sake of the individual, but for the sake of the church. In other words, the Bible teaches that your gift is not your gift. Your gift belongs to the church. It's a gift to the church. So there is a sense this morning that we are all charismatic Christians. Now, uh, that might surprise some of you, but the that is the truth. And I wonder this morning, how many of us are withholding our gift. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. Each of us should use whatever gift you have to, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we know this, you have a gift, it's a gift to the church, and thirdly, we need to develop that gift. If we're not going to neglect the gift, I think it's important then that we polish it, refine it, develop it. For instance, in this passage, Paul lists seven different gifts. Now, by my count, I can look at at least 21 different gifts that I can find in Scripture, and practically speaking, there are probably more than that. But here you have seven listed. And the, you'll notice here that the first gift that he mentions is the gift of prophecy. Now, the Bible sometimes speaks of prophecy as being able to foretell the future. But usually when it talks about prophecy, it simply means proclaiming God's word, pro uh, preaching, if you will. 
In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 says that we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, if you think about it, that does make sense because preaching is pretty central to who we are as a church. It's a part of our worship. Verse 3 says, in fact, everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. So the gift of preaching is that ability to communicate God's word in such a way that, that it hopefully becomes meaningful and practical to our lives. Now, you have probably noticed that I consider myself a preacher. I think I have that gift. Now, some of you are probably questioning that this morning. I realize that. But I think that God has given that gift to me. I remember when I was about 16, I was surprised when a small Methodist church near our home called me up and asked me to preach. I had played the piano for them over a couple of different years for their vacation Bible school, and they had heard that I had some interest in pursuing a call to ministry, so they invited me to come and preach. Now, the truth is, I didn't know the first thing about preaching at that point. I certainly knew nothing about sermon preparation and the like. I did know this about preaching. Preaching was speaking God's message. So naive, perhaps, maybe lazy, perhaps, I thought, okay, God, I'm going to get up there, read a passage, and let's see what happens. So I, I read from somewhere in Genesis that related to Joseph's life, and the Holy Spirit did begin to speak, and he said, Jeff, you stupid boy. That's what he said. Because I rambled on for about 15, maybe 20 minutes, and I said absolutely nothing of any substance. And in my stuttering, I remembered suddenly, you know, I'd read the Daily Bread that morning, and it gave the, the idea of joy is Jesus, others, and you. And so I, I put that together. I was sweating. I was stuttering. Everybody in the room knew that I was bombing. I was so foolish. I also learned in that moment that people are liars. <laughs> because after the service, again and again they said, I did a nice job. And of course, I knew better. And that still happens today. <laughs> but you know, I learned something at that moment, and I promised myself, and I actually promised the Lord, I would never get into the pulpit again unprepared if I could help it. I may have a gift, but it needed to be developed. So I went to school, you know, for 10 more years, if you think about it. Four years of college, three years of seminary, three more years for a doctorate. You'd think I was better than I am, you know, you know by now, my goodness. But, but I want to use that gift to the best of my ability. I don't know if this has been your experience, but I like this. Someone wrote... My preacher shapes his sermons from A to final Z in clear and forthright language and aims them straight at me. And when he gets to preaching, I look around to see if there might be another deserving more than me. But every soul looks saint-like, their hearts to heaven turned, while I and my convictions can only sit and squirm you know, I often wonder if I should miss a day 
Would he, without his target, have anything to say? <laughs> I don't know if that's your experience, but one of the things I have learned about preaching is that preaching, good preaching, comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And I love to listen to good preaching. It's practical, it's relevant, it's challenging, and it leads us to Jesus. Paul also mentions there's the gift of serving. This is the ability to identify unmet needs in the body of Christ and then fulfill those needs, often quietly. Isn't it interesting, however, that Paul goes from preaching, which, as you know, is very upfront, very public, to serving, which is just as important, but is often done in obscurity. No one knows. No one knows who, fulfill, who, who fills up the communion cups or who washes the, the towels and the dishes in the kitchen. You, you don't know who is pacing the halls right now doing security. Most of us don't know who is in the nursery changing a diaper or who is helping plant flowers for the church's landscaping. The truth is that churches have countless opportunities for deeds of service. A few weeks ago, we had an electrical issue, and suddenly the lights went out in my office, and I lost power to my computer. Same thing happened in Adam's office, and so I thought, man, I can't stay here in the dark. I gotta keep working. So I called Marty Jones. Marty's here. He's an electrician at our church, and I said, Marty, I, I, I need your help. Well, immediately he came in. I don't know what he was doing uh, before, he, he, but he just immediately came in. He, he uh, ordered the part that we needed and put several hours over a couple of days, fixed the issue, no charge. And I know that the part he got was at least $400, and I know that he's mad at me right now because I told you all about that. <laughs> but you know that... This is true, and I could, go, I could go row by row and talk about those incidents. But God has gifted so many people to serve behind the scenes, and I want you to hear it. I'm grateful for you. Paul mentions teaching. That's the ability to communicate relevant information in such a way that others are going to learn and be able to apply it again to their lives. Now, not everybody can teach. The truth is, I know of really great Christians, compassionate, spirit-filled Christians, and you put them in front of a, uh, of a classroom or a group of people, and they'll bore you to tears. You know who I'm talking about, or you're thinking of somebody. But then there are those people who just have a special gift, and they just outline something, or they bring something to life in a way that you never thought about it before, and it just, it just becomes real to you. And I just pray that God will raise up teachers by the dozens in our church to help us in that effort to make disciples. I love this gift, the gift of encouragement. Paul mentions that. These are people who are good listeners, and they give good counsel, but most importantly, they just know how to build you up. They write notes, they give hugs, they pray for people. You know that person that when you're just with them, you, you feel lifted up, you feel better, you feel more energetic. 
I think about, for instance, like a Chris Neamey in our church. Cindy Rivers also comes to mind. These are two people that God at least has placed in my life who consistently write me notes or my wife and let me know that they're in my corner. I suspect that they do that for others too. Encouragers give courage and bring about healing. I've known pastors who probably couldn't preach very well. They would not be labeled as great communicators. And yet, I've known a pastor who probably, again, wasn't a great communicator, but his office would be lined up with people by the scores coming in who just needed to talk to him because he had an ability to speak life and build them up. He called them later to see how they're doing. He, he, he was an amazing man. The fifth uh, gift mentioned here is the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Now, some of you are thinking, well, it's a good thing I don't have that gift, Pastor. <laughs> now, let me be clear, we all ought to be giving. The Bible is clear, we're all called to be generous. But there are some people who have a special knack for making money and then turning it around and giving it away cheerfully, giving it to, to people in need, giving it to the church's ministry. And listen, we need people, don't we, with that gift. L listen, sometimes we can look at people who are doing financially well, who are financially successful, as though somehow they're less than spiritual. But I want you to know, I hope you do very well. I pray that all of you would do very well. But then if you have a person who has a knack for making money and then they just keep it, they don't use it, they don't invest it in a generous spirit toward God and his church, then that's a sin. It's neglecting the gift. And, and so let me just say, it should start in the church God has given you. You were blessed so you could be a blessing. Don't neglect that gift. But God gave you a gift so that you can share it with his people. But that seems to me the big temptation for so many who have that gift. They think it was given to them. And in fact, they can look down on others who may not have as much. But let me challenge you. If you have that gift, don't neglect it. Then there's the gift of leadership. These are people who, when they set goals with God's purpose in mind, they are able to bring people together to accomplish those goals. I know people who can't teach, but boy, they're extraordinary leaders. They'll serve on a board or in a committee, and when they speak, something about them Everybody pays attention. Everybody listens. They just command attention. When they speak, they give a sense of confidence that something can be done. Or, on the other hand, when they speak and, and they say this isn't a, a direction to go, everybody says, you know what? They're right. We'll follow. But I love the flow of this, and I see this back and forth with Paul. Paul talks about leadership and then mercy. Isn't that interesting? Two very different gifts, but no hierarchy is here. He says, the gift of mercy. You know, there are people who just naturally come alongside of those 
who suffer. They have hearts of compassion. They care genuinely. And they want to make the pain easier. In our church, I can't help but think of someone like a Laura Balon. And the reason I think of Laura is because she is one, been a part of our Thursday morning prayer group for decades now, early, 6.30 in the morning, praying about you and for you and for your lists that we give the team every week. But the other thing I love about Laura is if there is a funeral related to our church, I can almost guarantee you that Laura will be there. I think of Dale and Mary Elaine Carolee. They're like that too. In fact, I think about them and I'm almost embarrassed because they've heard all my funeral sermons probably several times, you know. But they genuinely care about those who are hurting, who've suffered loss, whether they knew that person well or not. And I think that's the gift of mercy. There are other gifts. Administration, discernment, Helping, healing, evangelism, hospitality. I want you to think about what's my gift. The point is God has gifted every person in this room with at least one gift to be used in the church. And why is that important? Because we're a body. And the body is stronger when we all use our gift. If we're going to be healthy, every member of our body has to do their part. Several years ago in England, Sir John Barbaroli was conducting a great orchestra before a standing room audience, a standing room only audience in this great auditorium The concert hall was used on Saturday nights for great cultural events, but on Sunday morning, they used it for religious services. But on this particular Saturday night, one of the patrons looked at the grand hall, filled to capacity, but he noticed that the preacher who would be delivering the message the next day was also there, and so he went over to have a discussion. And so he went over to the pastor and said rather caustically, when are you going to fill this hall on Sunday the way Sir John Barbaroli has done tonight? The pastor thought about it and he looked at the fellow straight in the eye and he said, you know what, I'll fill this hall on Sunday morning when there are 85 disciplined men and women who will be as committed to serving as those in this orchestra tonight. Now, I'm not saying anything you don't know this morning. I know that all of us know this in our head. What I want to do is move down about six inches and get it to our hearts. I am not the minister of this church. Our staff is not the ministry of this church. Now, as you probably recognize, we have some gifted staff members, and they do an awful lot, and they care sincerely. But I want you to know, if you are with me, could we fill this place again? Wouldn't it thrill your soul to see this place grow? 
to see people come to Christ, to see children and young people give their lives to Jesus, to, 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 to see a community where we care genuinely about one another and we all work together toward that common goal of giving God glory and bringing mercy to everyone who needs it. And so, yes, we, we need teachers who, who can, and mentors who help with young people and we, we need people to serve in the audiovisual areas and hospitality areas and some of those quiet areas in the back. But let me ask you, what, what is your gift? Are you using it? We, if we had an army working together, what difference would that make? You know, the second benefit, it seems to me, of all of us understanding our spiritual gifts and implementing them is the acceptance of yourself and others. Paul writes in verse 3, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So when I know my spiritual gift, one of the things I can know is it, it, it relieves me of some guilt. I know I'm not as gifted as maybe some other pastors. I'm not necessarily a great counselor or even a teacher. I think my gift is more in administration and preaching. Maybe, maybe you just aren't that good at some particular thing, and that's okay. An usher met an elderly lady at the back of the sanctuary, and he asked her, where would you like to sit? She said, on the front row, please. He said, you don't want to do that. The pastor is boring. The lady said, well, do you know who I am? And he said, no. She said, I'm the pastor's mother. He asked her, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, that's good, and that was fine. Maybe you're just not very good at ushering. But maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Or maybe you're not so gifted in evangelism, but you're not going to go out on the street. You're probably not going to knock on doors, but you can open your doors to young people and make them feel at home. That's a gift. You don't need to feel guilty about that. God doesn't expect you to do everything in the body. And yet when we can understand that God has gifted us differently, the other thing that happens is we can appreciate the gifts that God has given to others, to the rest of the body. Some of you are five talent people and some maybe three and maybe some just one. It's okay. It was God's goodness that provided you with that gift. But it serves me well to understand that it is by God's grace, he uses it all. So I can't be prideful because I know that whatever gift I may have comes from the grace of God. And that keeps me humble. In the Old Testament, you may remember the story of Balaam the prophet. If you remember the story, Balaam rebels against the Lord and he jumps on his donkey and he heads in the wrong direction. But God causes through the angel the donkey to buck and it bangs the prophet against the wall and it hurts him 
So Balaam loses his temper, he beats the donkey, and then a rather strange thing happens. God causes the donkey to speak and rebukes Balaam. Now my point is this, if God could use a donkey, <laughs> then I'm pretty sure that he can use you. And I'm pretty sure that he can use me. And there's no reason to get all conceited by that. Paul says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. God never intended our church to be a man, one-man show. We're a team, a family, a body, where we all function together. Because we have a gift. And of course, the greatest gift that we have is the gift of salvation. Think about what Jesus has done for us. What he did on the cross by dying on the cross for our sins. That's where it begins. But when you know Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, then we realize there's a gift that keeps on giving. Don't neglect it. I want to challenge you this morning. Find that gift. And again, I will make the offer I made last week. If you don't know that gift, or you want some, some direction, or you want to talk about, Pastor, how can I serve? How can I be a part? Let's talk. Let's have a discussion. And it could be with me, or one of the other staff members, or one of our elders. But I would love to see. I can only imagine what would happen if every one of us took hold of the gift that God has given us. Let's pray together. Lord, as I consider all that you have given me, I realize this morning that you require one thing. You ask for all of me. And right now, Lord, in this moment, I want to ask, Lord, that you take me out of myself and use me for your glory. I turn to you in willing surrender and love. I want you to have as much of me as I can give. Amen. Amen.